open up with a word of prayer. Uh, Lakita, would you offer a word of prayer for us, please? Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Write it on our hearts and in our minds so that we will not sin against you and that we will know what to say and how to share in love with others who need to have a kind word from the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so of course we'd like you to study um, your lesson each week before we have our class so everyone can participate and we appreciate everyone's comments as we go through this lesson together. This is lesson three, the Father says, God, the eternal Father, is the creator, he is the source, he is the sustainer, and he's sovereign of all creation. I think we'd ask the question before, what does sovereign mean? <clears throat> Anybody, what does sovereign mean? I would say ruler over, head over, um, authority over. Yeah, leader, ruler, head, authority over. So that's God. He's uh, what is he leader, head, authority over? Everything. Everything like what? Everything in my house. The universe, uh, uh, earth. Universe is. Universe is mm -hmm. right. Yeah, anything and everything we can think of. If right. it exists, he's over it. Right. Things that we can't see. Things we can see. Yeah, and that's a good point. Um, a lot of things out there we can't see. We have mm -hmm. no clue. All we can see is what's here on the planet and what through um, space exploration we've been blessed to see, which are some of the planets and then some of the galaxies far away. But that's it for us. So, But God is still in charge of all those galaxies that you can see on the Hubble space, uh, spacecraft photos. He's over all that. He's the creator of it. He's the source of it and the sustainer of it. So here's a question. If God's the sustainer, does he, did God put the earth in motion and now he just lets it roll by itself? No, he controls the earth. What'd you say? No, he has a hand in it. He controls the earth. Okay. Lakita says he controls the earth. He has a hand in it. Anybody else? Well, wasn't it Joshua would asked the Lord to hold the sun up in the sky while they were in battle? Okay. And what I realized when understanding the solar system and how it all works together, the sun never moves. Everything revolves around the sun. So in order for the sun to stay still in the sky for Joshua, the whole solar system had to be put on pause. Because we can't stop rotating without it affecting the moon or Mars or anything else because there's a magnetic field that all holds us in place as we rotate around the sun. So it wasn't the sun that stopped. It was all the planets in the solar system that stopped hmm. in, order for the, in order for the sun to stay up in the sky for Joshua. That makes sense? Wow. Very impressive. And then it also says that God the Father is just and holy, merciful and gracious. Can I get an amen? He's amen. also amen. slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. It says, too, that the qualities and powers exhibited in the Son and the Holy Spirit 
are also revelations of the Father. That's very interesting uh, why it says that. It says on the first part, God the Father is the creator, source, sustainer, ruler of all creation. He is in no sense detached or aloof from his created beings and their needs, but daily gives them life. Can you imagine that God does uh, provides for us each and every day? And think about it, we just talked about all the other galaxies. So any any other beings on those planets, he's taking care of their needs every day. What is that? How do you feel knowing that God does all, all that every day? Well, it's interesting because you mentioned, does he just put it in place and then sits back and watches it go? Mm -hmm. No, he's involved with it each and every day. Every day. I watched a video last night about the coral reef and some parts of the world and how fishermen are overfishing and they're grabbing up all these fish. And then it stops a lot of the uh, coral reef or other fish from um, progressing and moving. And, and so they said, if you just leave them alone and not overfish, you can do some fishing, but not overfish, all that will come back. All the stuff that was destroyed by man will regenerate. It's amazing because God is in his, his hand is in that regeneration part. And, and I think that uh, he never stops. I think he's always been a part of not only just your force for creation, but he continues to maintain um, everything. Amen. Amen. Hi, Paula. So also another thing, too, you mentioned about how people overfish and overuse everything. It seems like it's mankind's way to overdo everything. You know, God gives us resources, but mankind wants to use up all the oil at once, all the gas at once, uh, all the gold at once, all the air at once, all the trees, the fish, the animals. It's like we have no restraint and all we're doing is destroying the earth. So you're talking about in the seas, you know, there is a lot of coral reefs that have been damaged from uh, by because of man. There's a lot of fish species that have been decimated because of man overfishing. There's a lot of sea life that's been destroyed. You know, it's just like we just don't have a an off switch to say stop using everything all at once. We just seem to need some kind of a uh, filter to say we don't have to use everything today. They're just greedy. Mankind yeah. It's somebody just greedy. Get everything that you can get. Get now. Or somebody else gets it. Yeah. Well, we're not even thinking about even our children's generation, you know, our grandchildren's generation, you know, and leaving anything behind for them. Yeah, that's kind of a sad statement too, isn't it? That yeah. Our own children, <laughs> we don't even care about. Just, I guess, they're on their own for us. Some people look at it. Now, and what's the first verse in the Bible say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. So in the beginning, God created everything. Everything that was, he created everything that is. And then in Revelation 4, 11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. 
So what do you say about people who say um, man evolved from the animals or from a big bang explosion? What do you have to say about that? Well, that's crazy because the Bible tells us that God created man. The Bible also tells us that God created the animals from the dust of the earth, created man from the dust of the earth. Yeah, plus it's kind of, um, it's ridiculous because it's too random. You know, when you look at the, um, what is, what kind of that little bird, the little small one um, that hovers hummingbird. on the When you look at a hummingbird, then there are some that has a really long beak and it can only fit in this certain type of flower to uh, get the pollen out of it or whatever. So when you look at the animals and you see how everything clicks together, even now after all of this sin, how things work together, then you know this stuff just didn't happen because somebody did a big bang thing. And and also if you look at like when somebody put off a um a bomb and blow it blow up stuff, nothing comes out of that like a brand new building doesn't just rise up out of that chaos and you know <laughs> you know no new life is coming up out of that. It's just it's just chaos and and um destruction. So we know no big bang thing caused all this life. And plus, when you start looking at your body, how it's made, it's like amazing. I was uh, uh, reading about the brain. It's like a bunch of cells doing all this stuff, keeping your memory, telling your heart to beat, telling your arms and legs when to move, when to stop moving. You don't say, okay, don't move. It tells your legs how high to come to step up on a step or how low, you know, it how fast to go or slow when you're driving. It's just amazing. Just that brain, how it can, you, that didn't come by incident and uh, trial and error. That just didn't happen like that. What's interesting about what you're saying is I used to say, if it, if everything came by a big bang, when did it stop? Mm -hmm. I was still banging. And, <laughs> and uh, you know what I'm saying? So there should be some other planets that bang together and, and just hang out there in the middle of nowhere. It just by banging together. We don't see anything out there banging. So I start thinking about that. And I'm like, okay, so God created this earth. <clears throat> and he created man and woman. And he created a system and a method of recreation. So be fruitful and multiply. So not only do the animals know how to replenish the earth, we know how to replenish. Uh, there are, you know, watching these nature videos, we watching video last night about the fish and how some fish would lay the eggs and then the other fish would come by uh, with the sperm. And that continues to happen. These are continuous things that continually happen to bring life upon the earth. Why don't we see a continuously banging thing? Why don't we see a man continuously coming from animals? We well, don't ever see man coming from animals. The crazy thing about it is, is why would there be any reproductive abilities in a bang? Well, well. <laughs> That's crazy. And the first question Lee asked was about man coming from animals. Mm -hmm. Why? When did it stop? And why did it stop? Nothing else has stopped. Everything that God has done and put in place continues to happen. You know, there are, are, are there are plants, there are trees that drop seeds and those grow. 
It just continues. Everything that God has and done. And with the bang theory, why is there an assumption that animals came before man? Well, hmm. I hadn't heard that part of it. <laughs> There's just a lot of questions to that big bang theory that doesn't make sense. How can you, what can you do to explain God as the creator to people who don't believe in God? Well, why you have a friend who doesn't believe in God? How would you explain God as the creator? I would probably do something like what your wife was just talking about. How do you explain the brain? She was talking about how the brain tells the arm how to throw a ball or when to stand up or when to move your foot. I had to do with my brain the other night trying to bowl. I kept saying, what am I doing wrong? I need to swing my arm out more. I need to grip the ball more. But my brain is the one who initiates that whole thing. My arm doesn't just start or my hands don't just grab the ball. My brain has to tell it. So where did that all come from? That's some serious, I'm going to say technology <laughs> in the brain to be able to function like that. I learned a while ago that my eyes don't see. It sounds crazy, but my eyes are really a, 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 a mechanism or a membrane to let light in. And the light goes into the back in my brain and my brain is actually takes that light and says and shows what I'm seeing. That lens in the front just lets the light in. And so we think we're seeing what our eyes, our eyes are not actually seeing. It's back in our brains that's seeing. I'm hoping I'm explaining that right. But it's mm -hmm. just so much that's so vast to our bodies. Mm -hmm. There's no way that this can be done without any kind of intelligence. And so I, I would start with something like that. And, you know, hopefully they'll grasp some of that because I think, you know, sometimes Lee, people just be throwing stuff out and they don't even know what they're even talking about. Well, so, for me, mm -hmm. if you're talking about the existence of God, I always go to the ocean. And I say, you know, you can stand on the beach and as far as you can see, there's nothing but water, but it breaks at your feet because God told it to stop there. Hmm. Very interesting. So there are other ways to talk to people about God as creator other than going to the scriptures because not everybody believes the scriptures and and you got to have another way to say, think about this or how about that or whatever. And the Bible itself says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the earth is firmament. So as y'all are saying, everybody's saying, look at nature to explain God. You can look at historical facts, you know, artifacts that have been found. You can look at history. You can look at the solar system. You know, and there's uh, just the birds and the bees and the flowers and trees. Everything glorifies God. And as was pointed out, the complexity of life. No way that happened by accident. Even if you look at how flowers and trees work, that's not an accident. Everything works, has its own purpose, has its own uh, abilities. And then it complements something else that goes along with it. So... None of that's happening by accident. No, um, and you're not. You don't have to tell a bee to go pollinate. Mm -hmm. to instruct these these insects on what to do. They already know what to do. Yeah, basically made for each other, just like man and woman made for each other. Uh, also, it talks about God sustains life. 
He's sovereign over all the universes for all eternity. That's what we had talked about. Um, so if God is taking care of the planets and the animals and trees and mankind, how does he find time to show us love and faithfulness? Hmm. How does he manage to do that? And then how how does he show you love and faithfulness? It's funny that you said time. As he is not restricted by time, we are. There's a beginning and an end with us. And he is omniscient. And omnipresent. He is omnipresent and he is omnipotent. So he is all powerful. There are no limits to God. We, because we are finite beings, we have limits. But he has absolutely no limits. He can do all things all at once. You know, that reminds me of that crazy movie we saw. <laughs> what was the name of that movie? You know about everything, that movie? Everything, everything. What, what is it? Everything all at once. Oh, yeah, I hated that movie. All at once. That's who God is. Everything, everywhere, all at once. You seen that, Lee? I hated that movie. I only it's saw right. the first part. It was too confusing. Yeah, the movie was crazy, but my point is, God, that's who God is. He's everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Now, it says also that God abounds in love and faithfulness in Exodus 34, when Moses asked the Lord to show him, what did the Lord show him? Or what did he proclaim when he walked past Moses? That's in Exodus 34, 6. And these are God's attributes. Is that the verse that talks about he could not look at him and live? No. So no. 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 No, it's 34 6, Exodus 34 6. It says, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Exodus 34, 6. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. So when we look at God, the first thing he says is merciful and gracious. And I say amen to that. Yep. You know, without these attributes, none of us would still be here. Without that mercy and grace, long-suffering, goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And are those characteristics, are those, would those be helpful for us as humans to have? Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. What good would they do us? We need to learn to be merciful and gracious to our fellow man. You know what? Funny. I was just going to say, it's funny how we, we love that from him. But then we don't sometimes want to be that for others, which is sad. You would think once you realize, humble yourself and realize how merciful and gracious and long-suffering, because you, we all know there's probably been some times we, should, we shouldn't even be here with how we've acted. Mm -hmm. But he was merciful and gracious. Mm -hmm. And because of that, uh, we need to learn to do that for others. The thing that uh, gets me with uh, Moses and with God's um, intervening with the Israelites is how much he really wanted them to know him. How he just yearned for them to understand who he was. 
And this is kind of like, like what you were saying, um, you were getting ready to say earlier, Andre, about the, the, the time when God walked past most, um, uh, Moses, <laughs> Moses wanted to see the Lord and this bridge, this gulf between us and God, how God yearns for it to be a way to be gone from us and uh, how he wants to connect with us so much and just want us to really see who he is. But, um, I like this. It says, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. That's what he wants us to grab hold of, you know, and, and hang on to. That's what I think is so beautiful about the Lord is that he, you know, he doesn't have to be working so hard to help us to know, to know him. He doesn't have to do that. And you wonder how in the world did people get the wrong idea when this is God telling you who he is. And then some people have always perpetrated that God is unmerciful and, and harsh and demanding. And he's just waiting for us to make mistakes so he can zap us with lightning or doom us to hell. That, that type of preaching and um, information was going around for centuries. But when you look at God himself telling you how he is, how did they get so mixed up? You know, yeah, I don't know how that worked either. Well, it's easy when you, somebody asks you what a book says. What's that book about? Oh, outside of cover of it, I read the back a little bit. And it's about A, B, C, and D. Have you read the book? Well, no. But I heard it wasn't about nothing. I heard it wasn't interesting. I heard that you're hearing a bunch of stuff. Why don't you read it for yourself? So I think a lot of stuff that is easy to understand or easy to go along with what somebody said because you haven't read it for yourself. So a lot of stuff I think is easy when you don't go and study for yourself. It's easy to let somebody tell you what something's about. Hmm. And then, you know, the Bible is um, starting off with uh, this, uh, well, you know, the creation, of course, but you know, this big story in the Bible is about the Israelites who had been in slavery for like 400 years. So, you know, they had a very distorted understanding of God. And in terms of like a person in authority over them was cruel. You know, those slave masters was mean and cruel to them and everything. And so when we look at love and everything, that some of that is just shaped by people's personal experience. It's not said in the Bible, but people come right out. Just like take, for example, the word submit, women submit to your husbands. Who really knows what that means, right? We we know what people think it means by, you know, how we define submission, but who really knows? I mean, we just know this crooked things. And it's, you know, it's kind of like um for men, it's a um, it's in their best interest that, you know, it's like y'all gotta do what we say. That's what that means. <laughs> Well, mm -hmm. men usually say it says that that scripture says women obey your husbands like you're a child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or you feel dominant over a woman and you do what it do as I say. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so we look and, and we look in that and we see that, okay, so this is what God must be like. He wants to, us to do what he says. Sometimes some things can be so simple. Like I was telling Lee, you know, this past week, I was, my leg was really, really hurting and a lot of pain. And I was just praying about it. And I was like, well, what is this? Or, you know, this thing. And I, because I was looking at my diet and everything. And it was just water. So the Lord told me water. 
And then it's interesting because somebody else may have you take cucumbers and put it in your water. It helps the body to absorb absorb the the um water better, you know. And also, I learned that you know, as we get older, our body stop absorbing stuff as quickly as it did when we, when we or as much as it did when we were young. But all that to say, you know, if we look at what God, uh, I could say, well, you know, the way to stop pain is this, you know, so people are looking for a specific thing, this and that, you know, so we have to, we have to submit to our husbands and obey them. And that's the way to make them happy. That must be the way to make God happy. That must be what love is because we're supposed to love our husbands. And so people just get it mixed up. And um, also remember the verse teaching for doctrine, the commandments of men. So a lot of people are not being taught the doctrines of God. They're being taught commandments of mankind. Mm -hmm. So the men in charge, you know, as we know, and historically men have historically been in charge of running things and they just make up stuff and then tell the people, yeah, this is what God says. And unless you've studied it for yourself, you start believing what they're telling you. Whereas if we study the scriptures and we, like we just read, God is long suffering, merciful, gracious, not willing that any should perish. And we compare the characteristics of God to that verse. Um, uh, when wives obey your husbands or submit to your husbands, then think about it in the character of God. He wouldn't want to be pushing people around and forcing somebody to do something and being mean and authoritative over folks. Mm -hmm. He would do all those things with love and with kindness and, and with a forgiving that, heart. If you look in the black community, you know, um, how did we come to know about the God over here in the United States? We came, most of us, not everybody, but most people came through slavery. And so, you know, they were manipulating those slaves, you know, like if you do this, God's going to strike you down. I used to hear a lot of stuff like about God when I was little from my mom, you know, because of course they were, my mom was a um, a share, a sharecropper. So, and then, so I guess like in two generations, like my grandmother and great grandmother, you know, somebody spent some time in slavery. So all this stuff is just coming down through slavery you know, about like uh, loving your kids. You can love your children too much. And if you do, God will take them from you. You know, that's, I mean, that's slave, slave stuff right there. If they want to punish a person and this person seemed like they love their kids, well, they're going to take them and sell them or they're going to take them and beat them. So, and then the child may die. But, you know, all the time we're getting stuff from people uh, um, about God and it's just not right, right? Mm. Yeah. And as we we want to remember, too, that it's our goal to take on the attributes of God. He says, be ye holy as I am holy. And Christ is our example. So in everything that we do, we need to try and be forgiving and long suffering and merciful as well. And that doesn't say it's going to be easier that it happens overnight, but that's what we're all shooting for through God's grace. And we think about it. God has loves us so much that he gave his only son so that we can be saved from the penalty of death, which is what we all deserve. And he's also uh, justifies us freely through his grace. He doesn't hold it against us. He gives us so many opportunities for repentance and confession and coming back to him, you know, and we don't deserve any of it, but it's just because God truly is love that he extends that to us. 
Uh, this also talks about God's uh, being justified freely by his grace through redemption in Christ Jesus. What is it saying about redemption in Christ? And how does he show love and mercy to us? Any thoughts on that? Talking about crucifixion, right? We're talking about him. And the plan of redemption includes his son. Um, died on the cross for us. And so if that doesn't show you mm -hmm. that you actually gave your own son to come down, he came down and lived on this earth just as we live. The thing that really gets me sometimes, Lee, is he says he was, he was uh, tempted at all points. Mm -hmm. We are not. We aren't tempted at all points. Yeah, there are some temptations. There's some stuff that we're not even tempted with. He was tempted with everything, <laughs> yet without sin. And so, you know, it's like, you know, people say, put your money where your mouth is. You say this. You he did. Sent his son to live here with us, show us how to live. Died for our sins, not his. That right there is how he showed. I mean, I don't know. How else you can show how how you could do that even more, but that was tremendous. Oh yeah, no greater love as any man than he laid down his life for his brethren. And without love, Jesus would have never done it. It's just not a loving thing. Uh, that's not something that someone without love would do. Right. And those who don't have love don't know God because God is love. Right. And again, that's what that's why it's important for us to study for ourselves. Imagine if uh, Lakita mentioned about people's upbringing. Imagine if a person who was brought up in a terrible household, whose father was abusive and mean, and they have all these bad images of their father. Now imagine that person telling you about the heavenly father. Do you think they would have the same image that we're reading out of God's word? No, and also goes back to Lakita saying about women submitting, and I don't submit to somebody like that. Mm. I mean, you know, if you're supposed to be the God in the home, then you need to, the Bible talks about it all the time. Um, God loved us before he asked us to love him. He was the first. Right. He has done so much for us. Mm -hmm. um, is it hard to submit to God? Should be. He wakes you up every morning. He does this, he does that. So, you know, when you when you look at an example that you just gave, Lee, ooh, mm -hmm. that's hard. How do you how do you respect anybody like that? Hmm. Very interesting. Something to think about. And it's always uh, as you said, when we think about the goodness of God, how is it that we do not? Praise his holy name constantly. What what could be some reasons why people don't praise the Lord or thank God as much as we really should? Selfishness, maybe? What'd you say? Selfishness. Oh. We're just looking at ourselves and what we want. I want this. 
to get on our knees. We don't thank him. Lord, I need this. I need that. Bless yeah. me with this and help me with that and tell them people to leave me alone at work and mm-hmm. go through this whole list of stuff that he want, we want him to do instead of thanking him for what he already has done and is doing. Mm-hmm. There's plenty to thank him for now. It's plenty. And then, you know, I say this with kindness, then the Lord does tell us what to do or show us what to do. And it's not what we want to do, right? You know, sometimes we're praying for stuff that we don't even know, you know, um, like I, I think about Samson's mom and dad, you know, after he grieved their hearts, probably to the grave, you know, and he was, they were probably praying, help him to turn back to you, help him to turn. Well, because of his personality makeup, this guy was going to have to go through a little something, something before he got back to God. And so we, sometimes we don't know what we're praying for. We're praying for our kids, but what are we actually inviting into our lives? I mean, we should pray for them, but we should also know that that may bring a heartbreak into our lives that we would not want to happen. But in order for our prayer to be answered, that may be the route that God has to take. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, who else do we see the attributes of God the Father in? In his son and oh, his definitely. spirit. Yeah, right. Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen who? Father. The Father. And then in Hebrews, it talks about we saw his grace as the only begotten of the Father. And then also the Holy Spirit reveals uh reveals the father and son to us as it says John 16 13 when he the spirit of truth is come he will guide you into all what truth, all truth. Yep. for he's not going to speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear <clears throat> he speak and will show uh you things to come he'll glorify the, the father and glorify the son so that's where we um also see the connection between all three of them. Each one is glorifying the other. And Jesus asked his father, glorify me with the glory that we had before he even came to earth. So it's not anything new. It has been that way since the very beginning of of time immortal. So when we think about how God treats us and think about his characteristics and think about how we're called to be holy uh, just as as God is holy, does it make a difference to how I treat others? What you mean? When we read about how God's characteristics are, and then we read that we're called to be like Him, would that does that make a difference in how we treat others? Yes, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We to treat others like God has shown shown us you know like you know he helped people he was kind to people and then sometimes really God had to give a strong message sometimes you know like he turned those tables over and said you make my house my my father's house a a den of thieves you know and then at one time when the lady by the well came she thought she's gonna be sick and saying yeah you know well uh I had how many husbands she had five I think whatever ever mm-hmm. many it was and then God went on and Jesus said and the one you got now ain't yours so I mean like that was some hard stuff you know and, and it's interesting to me that she go and tell like it sounded like she was happy about it 
come meet a man. He told me all of what I have done. You know, like I might not want to know all the stuff I've done. I've been hiding from it all my life. So this, I don't want you pointing out. <laughs> and to I don't me. want you telling me what I did. I thought I kept that a secret. Right, right. You know, but it was like he told people what they need to hear. Like that man by the well, you know, um, by the pool of Bethesda. Do you want to get well? But get up, right? You know, don't mm -hmm. just stay around. So he was like, <clears throat> You know, I mean, I'm sure he didn't really say it that way, but that to me is the message is, hey, if you want to get well, you got to do something. You can't just um, do the same thing over and over and think you're going to get well. That's not going to happen. Let me throw something out. It just the Holy Spirit puts mm -hmm. them on my head. A lot of times you drive down the highway, you might see somebody on the side of the road with mm -hmm. a flat tire. Mm -hmm. Now, if we're following what Christ would do, we should stop and help them. There are some people who think you better be careful. It's crazy out here. Might be a setup. Might be some people waiting in the bush. You won't want to stop and help everybody. And then Holy Spirit just put on my head. Think about all the times that Jesus stopped and helped people knowing that the Pharisees was upset with him for doing that, knowing they wanted to kill him. He still did it. He still went on and did certain things. I'm not saying that you should stop at every person that has a flat tire or whatever. I just put that in your head. You know, let the Holy Spirit lead you to whether you should help somebody or not. Um, it could be a bad situation, but you don't know. You need to really reach out and stop looking at the news all the time, thinking everything <laughs> is bad. Every accident is bad. That must be terrible. They must be there. You don't know. You always take it to the Lord. Because it could be an opportunity mm -hmm. for you to reach out to someone because they might be looking for Jesus. You never know the intersections that the Lord provides in your life with intersecting with other people. Oh. That could be an answer to their prayer. You just don't know. Mm -hmm. But I just thought about the fact that there's many times I'm sure Jesus stopped to heal somebody, knowing the Pharisees was over looking at him, knowing they wanted to kill him because they didn't want him doing that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very true. Now, also think about, um, and you mentioned that too, Andre, we have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit at all times because he also says, be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. And he does create uh, uh, divine appointments so that he wants you to go to this place, meet that person, just like with Philip and the Ethiopian or Saul on the road to Damascus. He has appointed times but we have to be in tune with his spirit to know this is the Lord saying, go over here. Uh, otherwise, you know, you don't want to get into something that you think right. is God telling you and then you end up getting hurt. Right. But and that's what we always see in our class. Every one of us has to have a relationship, personal relationship with God so that we do know his voice. He says, my sheep know my voice. And when I call, they will come. Well, that comes from a relationship through experience and through hearing his voice and following it through uh, hearing other voices and being able to tell the difference. So that's, I think, an overriding factor in all of our lives. You have to be able to tell God's voice from all the distracting noise that's going on in this world. And, you know, that's why Jesus really is the perfect example, because he knew God's voice. And there were times we've read in the Bible several times when he was in a crowd and he knew they was trying to kill him. And the Holy Spirit or his father 
talk to him, say, go out this way, go down this alley and mm -hmm. go around this house and around this tree and, and escape away from him because mm -hmm. it wasn't his time yet. So, you know, there was plenty of times they wanted to take him out, but uh, he knew how to get a get away from that, you know, because mm -hmm. he was in tune with his father. That was the point. Yeah, have to be in tune. That's exactly it. And as we had read, uh, and as the pastor said today, Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit for those reasons right. so that he can lead us and guide us and direct us. And, you know, you don't ever want to feel like you have to have to save everybody because that's not your job. Right. Jesus came to save the world. You just do the little bit that you humanly can. Don't think that you have to stop <laughs> everybody on the corner, or feed all the homeless or clothe all the naked you just do your portion. And if everybody's doing a little bit, together we can solve a lot of problems that are going on in the world. And it's like we had talked about, I think, earlier uh, at the church. We're not all called to do the same thing. We're not all called to be robots. We're not all called to do exactly the same uh, use of our skills and talents and abilities. We don't even have the same skills, talents, and abilities but allow God to use you where he can. It might be able to, he might be able to use one person in this situation, might be able to use somebody else in a different situation. And it's good because God knows the difference. We might not know the difference. We might think, oh, I can be all things to all people. But God knows that you can't, and he knows why you can't. And again, we have to listen to his voice telling us, this is the way, walk in it. Yeah, you don't know. A lot of people, I was telling some ladies at the church today, a lot of times when certain situations come up, you really don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. You could think the devil is after me. Uh, I had a situation that I probably mentioned several times at a job I had, and they just was just coming after me. And I knew, I was like, what is going on here? I'm like, the devil is really busy. And when I really prayed and prayed about it, the Lord said, that's not the devil. It's me. I'm doing this. You're doing this? Yeah. It's time for you. You know, anything God is doing is going to be for my benefit. I already know that. Mm -hmm. But when he said, I was like, why were you doing this and why are you doing that? Because it's time to go. You've been sitting in this job too long. It's time to move to an whole nother place, give you some more money in your pocket and teach you some other stuff. I was like, oh, so a lot of us really can misread what we're really looking at, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. If you if you're locked in with him, he will explain. That's why you don't have any reason to complain about anything. If God is allowing something to happen, it's got to be for our good. So what are you mm -hmm. upset about? You know, you didn't cause it. Hopefully you didn't cause it because, you know, Lee, we can. We can do some damage to ourselves. Oh, yeah. We can cause our own demise. Mm -hmm. But if you truly know that this is nothing that you cause, where is this coming from? You just lock into the Holy Spirit. He'll show you. He'll talk to you. Yeah. And I like what, uh, what you said also. We were talking about earlier that God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Nothing too hard for him. Oh. So even if we make if we're making a bad decision, he can stop it right there you can shut all the doors so that you don't get hurt and like you said if he allows it there's a learning opportunity there might not be happy you know with the way it goes it might be painful but god is using it to save us in his kingdom and we have to remember too would i rather have a nice 
easy time here on this temporary planet or do I want God to fit me and prepare me for eternal life in heaven? Right. And that's our trade-off. Do I want to just live happily in this temporary life or do I want to accept Christ as my sacrifice and live eternally in glory with him? And sometimes we do go through tough times, but tough times don't last, but tough people do. And as we stick with the Lord, as he leads us, guides us, allows things to come our way, trial and tribulation, blesses us constantly and consistently, we have to grow in grace uh, each and every day, grow up and be thankful for everything that comes our direction. And I think, as you said, if we can just really grasp hold of the fact that God is not going to allow anything to happen to me that's not for my good, right. for my soul salvation, or to redirect me towards him. Right. If we can just understand that. Then, yeah, we truly wouldn't complain. But no, we get rid yeah. of all that humanity that complains at the drop of a hat. That's right. You know. Yeah, I learned one of the biggest words that I've learned is one of the biggest small words is the word wait. Mm. If you just wait... A lot of times we react too fast, not knowing what we are looking at, what situation we're in. Well, he said this and they did that. Just wait. If you just yeah. wait, you'll see what God is getting ready to do. A lot of times the devil is the first, the first move or the first action. And the Lord allows certain things to happen. Just have faith and wait. And then you'll see how God fixes this thing. Yeah. We are actually was behind this guy in a truck on the highway. Man, that dude was flying, zigzagging in and out of traffic like ain't no tomorrow, running all up onto the back of people, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, uh, so he was getting frustrated. You could tell he just wanted to go down the shoulder of the road and pass everybody. Oh, wow. So we just stayed in our lane, yep. followed traffic. And before you know it, just going through traffic, traffic opened up. For us, he's over there stuck now behind a bunch of cars and <laughs> traffic opened up for us and we rode right on past him. And that's right. how it is with God. Like you're saying, if we can just learn to wait for the Lord, wait, I say, upon the Lord, oh. he's going to open the right doors for us and he'll open the door that needs to be open and not the one that we so anxiously want to kick down and go through. And he does it at the right time. Mm -hmm. that, that this His time is, is impeccable. A lot of times we want to rush in and then we'll mess it all up. If you just wait, mm -hmm. then it's your time. Because some other things might have had to happen first before he opened up that door for you. No, we want to jump through the window. The door's still closed. We <laughs> want around the back going in the window. It's like, oh, I shouldn't be in here. I should be outside waiting outside the door. Mm -hmm. So make a way where there yeah. is none. Right. And uh, we've seen plenty of examples in the scriptures of people who didn't want to wait on the Lord. And we've seen plenty of examples in our own lives. But again, uh, it's kind of funny because God is not, uh, he's not conformed to time. It doesn't bother him at all. But everything that he does is in the fullness of time. Right. And that's just kind of interesting to me that time doesn't affect him, but he uses time for his will. Right. Yeah. Okay, so uh, any further thoughts on the uh, lesson about the Father? Next time we study out this book, it'll be on the Son. Uh, so, Karen, where will we be at next week? Well, so actually next week we have District Day. And oh, District Day. That the pastor's going to have some afternoon uh, 
uh, workshops. Oh, okay. Okay, so no class next week. And then, so the week after that, we'll be studying lesson four, God the Eternal Son. Okay. We'll uh, close out with a word of prayer and close out our uh, discipleship class. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for blessing us to have a desire to learn more of you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit's presence. We thank you for your word, which is the truth, dear Lord, and leads us into our truth. We ask and pray that we'll continue to have a mind of interest, a mind uh, that's determined to learn more of thee each and every way through the study of your word and your testimonies. In the blessed name of Jesus, we thank you. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for participating.